Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 118, Fact-Checking CPAC 2023. It's Saturday morning, March the 4th. Good morning. The Conservative Political Action Conference is underway in the Washington, D.C. area. It's actually in Maryland this uh, year. And appearing are members of Congress, conservative personalities, former government officials, and the theme for this year's CPAC, if you look at the thing that they have up on the ceiling, it says awake, not woke, or something like that. And I guess that's supposed to be the theme, but if you pay attention to what the speakers are saying, the theme should be lies, more lies, lies after lies after lies, lies on top of lies, because that is what we're getting. I don't know what it's going to take for the American people to finally say, we have had enough being lied to. These people are being paid lots of money. They're supposed to be representing the people, and yet they lie. And I get the whole free speech thing. I just don't think that it's okay for politicians to lie to people, especially when they know they're telling a lie. They're not doing it out of stupidity. Well, I take that back. There are a few that probably are lying out of stupidity because they just don't know any better. But I think most of them know better. But Jim Jordan has lied about President Joe Biden. It's just, it's unreal. And I really kind of wonder, what is it going to take for the American people to say enough? If you lie to us, we're voting you out of office, period. No second chances. So I'm going to talk about some of the lies that have been mentioned at the CPAC this year. One of the big topics in America right now is drug abuse, specifically fentanyl. Very often, The conservatives, the right-wingers, will tie fentanyl into all of the immigrants illegally crossing the borders, which are open, which is a lie. And more than one of the speakers at CPAC, today is, is Saturday, today's the last day of CPAC, but so far, multiple speakers have 
talked about fentanyl and the high number of overdose deaths due to fentanyl. And they're always tying it into Biden's immigration policy, which is open borders, not true. <laughs> so uh, one of them, Sebastian Gorka, who was a administration official uh, of the Trump administration, stated that, quote, in the last 12 months in America, deaths by fentanyl poisoning totaled 110,000 Americans, end quote. And he blamed these deaths on, in large part, Biden's open border. Okay, then Representative Scott Perry, you know, the guy that had his telephone seized by the FBI, and is now fighting in court to prevent the Department of Justice from reviewing his messages on his phone. The judge has said that the speech and debate clause, which he's claiming protects his telephone contents from being checked by the Department of Justice, is BS. And that out of the 2,000-some-odd messages and documents on the phone. The vast majority of them are not covered under speech and debate, and I guess it's going to an appeals court now, and once they rule, it'll probably go to the Supreme Court. Delay, delay, delay. Again, I'm just going to point out, if you've got stuff that will clear you, why are you fighting it? To me, he's obviously guilty. And isn't it interesting that after he had meetings with Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, that there were papers being burned in the fireplace in Mark Meadows' office? What is that all about? Yeah, nothing suspicious there at all. Anyway, this <laughs> traitor, insurrectionist, seditionist, Representative Scott Perry said, quote, Meanwhile, over on this side of the border, there isn't anybody. They're running this fentanyl in. I'm sorry, let me start over. Quote, Meanwhile, over on this side of the border, where there isn't anybody, they're running this fentanyl in. It's killing 100,000 Americans, over 100,000 Americans a year. End quote. So... First of all, the total number of deaths from all drug overdoses, not just fentanyl, but all of them in the United States, was 106,699 in 2021. And this is according to CNN. The number of overdose deaths involving synthetic opioids, other than methadone, and primarily fentanyl, is about 70,601 in 2021, which is significantly smaller than what uh, Scott Perry said, but it's still a significant number. And I don't think anybody is denying that this isn't a problem here in the country, but the claims of 
110,000, 100,000 fentanyl deaths are exaggerations, probably intended to make it sound far worse than it is. And here's the thing. In the case of Representative Scott Perry, he is in the U.S. House of Representatives, and if he wants to address this issue, instead of complaining about it and instead of not being honest about it at a major meeting of conservatives, he ought to be sitting in his office writing a bill that addresses both the fentanyl issue and this uh, supposed open border that we have that's contributing to the problem. So, anyway, the um, number of fentanyl deaths, fentanyl-related deaths, increased under Biden in 2021, but under Trump in 2020, there were 91,799 total overdose deaths and 56,516 for synthetic opioids other than methadone. I don't know why they pull methadone out. I'm sure that they probably have a reason for that. However, one thing that should be pointed out, and I have heard it mentioned, but they, the, the conservatives and the folks on the right continue to ignore this, fentanyl is mostly smuggled into the United States by U.S. citizens, not by immigrants, but by U.S. citizens, and they're coming in through legal ports of entry. It is not migrants sneaking around trying to get into the country illegally in other areas. So, uh, and again, the borders are not open. Border uh, officers have seized thousands of pounds of fentanyl under Biden. And as I've mentioned before on previous ep episodes, Tom Hartman did a search on uh, one of the search engines. He doesn't use Google or Bing. He used to use DuckDuckGo, but he's now using a different one because he feels that the results are not driven by advertising or things like that. And he said that it was interesting to note that every reference to an open border by a member of Congress were from Republicans. No Democrats are talking about the borders being open. And Tom Hartman believes that it's very possible that these Republicans, when they talk about the borders being open, that news drifts back to these countries where people are hurting and impoverished and being abused and trying to escape the harshness of the authoritarian leaders of the country. And they hear through the grapevine that well, you know, Senator so-and-so, a Republican in the United States, posted that the borders are open in the United States. And these people don't have access to smartphones and, and internet and, and 
televised media the way we do. And a lot of them have to just take this as, okay, well, somebody said the borders are open in the United States. Uh, let's go. And by saying that the borders are open, the Republicans may actually be increasing the problem. Instead of helping to solve it, instead of sitting in their offices fixing the immigration problem, they're on TV and posting and tweeting and talking at conferences and things like that about open borders. And they're just making the problem worse by doing so. So how about you guys do your job for a change and stop lying to people and fix the problem because it's literally your job to fix this problem. Okay? Literally, it's your job. Do your job. The next big lie <laughs> it comes from my one of my favorite people on the right side of the aisle, Laura Trump. Laura Trump. I guess it's there's no U in her name. It's L-A-R-A. Laura Trump. She is Donald Trump's daughter-in-law. She's married to Eric. Is Eric the one that looks like Beavis or is he the one that looks like Butthead? I can never remember which, but you know, the two Trump sons, the older ones, Eric and Donnie, little Donnie Jr., they look just like Beavis and Butthead, the cartoon characters. Anyway, uh, Laura was an advisor to Trump's 2020 ca campaign in which he lost. And she, uh, <laughs> she said that, um, uh, quote, we had the lowest unemployment in American history, end quote. And that was when, um, I guess it was at the CPAC uh, convention when they had it in Maryland back in February of 2020. And she always talks about how great of a president Donald Trump was. They had the absolute best economy. They had the uh, lowest unemployment in American history and income was up and blah, 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 blah. Taxes were down. Everything was great. Blah, 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 blah. And um, she said, uh, quote, to this, this year, she said, quote, but how quickly it all changed. Under Joe Biden, America is crumbling, end quote. Well, you know what? That's just a flat out lie. And any moron sitting in the audience that believes what this moron said is lazy because they're not checking facts. So first of all, let's go back to the February 2020 CPAC, which was apparently also in Maryland. And her quote that the, that the Trump administration had the um, lowest unemployment in American history. Well, no, that's not true because at the time she said that, the unemployment rate was actually at 3.5%. And that was tied for the lowest since 1969, but it was not the all-time lowest on record. And apparently the lowest all-time unemployment on record, according to CNN, was 2.5% in 1953. 
And the fact that she made the comment that under Joe Biden, America is crumbling using the exact same statistics that she was <laughs> she was harping about or promoting previously. The fact of the matter is, for January 2023, the unemployment rate in the United States was 3.4%, which is lower than it was under Trump at any time during his presidency. So if you're going to use unemployment as a gauge of how the economy is doing, Biden's economy is better than Trump's economy. So if the economy is crumbling under Biden, what was it doing under Trump? Imploding? <sighs> Go home, Laura. Go home. Do something with your hair. The 1970s hairdo with the part down the middle is like, it's been done. Why don't you try to find something else to do with your time? Ugh, these people just wear me out, truly. And um, what else? We want? Oh, well, while we're talking about Biden, let's get a couple of Biden things straightened out. Uh, again, we're going to go back to Scott Perry, the uh, insurrectionist who doesn't want his phone, which would obviously clear him, according to him, because he's innocent. He hasn't done anything wrong, but he doesn't want those messages and those documents on his phone to be viewed by the DOJ even though if they did view them, it would clear him immediately. <sighs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, Scott Perry said that, quote, average citizens need to just at some point be willing to acknowledge and accept that every single facet of the federal government is weaponized against every single one of us. The government doesn't have the right to tell you that you can't buy a gas stove, but that you must buy an electric vehicle, end quote. Well, first of all, Representative Perry, let me just point out to you that this federal government that you're talking about that's weaponized, you're actually a part of that government, okay? So when you make that comment, look in the mirror because you're, you're it. You're talking about yourself. And if you're not in a position to address this issue, uh, get out, resign. Because I think the only thing in the federal government that has been weaponized was actually during the Trump administration. So anyway, I haven't heard anybody within the federal government tell people that they can't buy a gas stove or that they have to buy an electric vehicle. The people that I know who have electric vehicles love them. And some electric vehicles are actually reasonably priced these days. So you can get them relatively inexpensive. You don't have to go out and buy a Tesla or a Lucid. But the bottom line is once you get an electric vehicle, the maintenance costs drop a lot. You don't have to flush the cooling system. You don't have to change the oil and filter. They don't have fan belts and hoses and all of that stuff that need to be maintained. And apparently charging the batteries is 
less expensive than putting gas in it, even when gas is at a lower price. And it's definitely better for the environment. But the Biden administration is trying to encourage people to be kinder to Mother Nature. Because as we have seen, Mother Nature's pissed off at us. These crazy weather anomalies that we're having, all of the wildfires, all of the hurricanes that are much, much more intense than they have been in the past. We have snow in Los Angeles and in parts of California that's foot after foot after foot deep, which is unusual. The mudslides that have devastated Montecito and other areas in California. The, the fact that we've got rivers and, and lakes and <laughs> lots of stuff is drying up. There's a lot of weird things going on. Some of the rains that we've had, the heavy rains and the snows in the south, uh, in the southwest, have helped to refill some of the reservoirs, which is nice. It'll give, uh, it'll give everybody over in the West a little bit of a break. But I don't think Mother Nature is finished with us yet. Not at all. And so we need to start doing something to be more friendly to the Earth because uh, we do not have a backup planet. You might think that, uh, according to the Republicans, there is a backup planet because they don't seem to be too concerned about environmental protections. We're all going to need clean air and fresh water to drink, safe water that's not polluted. And the only way to do that is to take steps now to make sure that we have that stuff and that our children and our grandchildren and their children and grandchildren have those things in the years ahead. Because as far as I know, life is still going to require water and fresh air to survive. So if you're a Republican and you think all of these government regulations and all of this environmental protection stuff is for the birds, you're wrong. And you need to look at your kids and your grandkids and realize that what you do now and what your elected representatives are doing to protect water and air will greatly impact their lives down the road. And if you don't want them to remember you as an idiot who screwed up their lives, now's the time to act because that's the way they're going to remember you if you continue to promote or continue to support republicans who are promoting uh less regulations so anyway the um there's incentives for electric vehicles but the biden administration isn't forbidding the manufacturing or the purchase of gas engined vehicles uh, internal combustion engines at all. But uh, the goal has been that electric vehicles should make up half of all of the new vehicles sold in the United States by 2030. And the car manufacturers are gearing up to make that happen. Batteries are becoming more efficient. And the as they become more popular, the costs will drop. And as I said, the folks who have electric cars right now generally seem to, to love them. So uh, 
another thing that people need to be aware of is that having a gas stove in your house does actually pose a, a bit of a health issue because they do admit pollutants into the air. And I've always wondered about that because you've got an open flame. Other parts of your home where you have like a gas uh, appliance, whether it's a, a gas hot water heater or a gas furnace or a gas fireplace, generally are vented outside. But when you have an open flame in a kitchen, eh, there's no ventilation. I mean, you can turn on the exhaust fan, but sometimes people don't do that. And uh, there are so there's some evidence to indicate that there are some issues, especially for children who are exposed to these pollutants. And also what is making it more of a concern today? Because people will say, oh, well, there have been gas stoves forever. My grandmother had a gas stove back in the 1940s or whatever. And that's true. <clears throat> Excuse me. The difference today is houses, a lot of the newer houses that are being built are tighter. And they are so tight that they tend to trap indoor pollutants inside the house. And when you come in and out the, the door and let outside air in, there's not enough of an air exchange to get all of those pollutants out. Which is why some new houses will have a low speed exhaust blower fan that runs nonstop. And I've seen that in, in several newer houses. They usually will have them in a utility room or someplace like that. And it's a, it's like an exhaust fan mounted up in the ceiling and they'll have a switch for it, but it's mounted up high on the wall generally. And it is a low speed, very quiet fan that is designed to be left running all the time. And its purpose is to pull air out of the house uh, to get some of these indoor pollutants out. So it's more of an issue today than it was in years past. And the next thing I want to talk about is the fact that Representative Ralph Norman made a claim at CPAC that President Biden laughed at a mother who had lost two sons to fentanyl. And Ralph Norman said, quote, I don't know whether y'all saw, I just saw it this morning, Biden laughing at the mother who had two sons to die. And he's basically laughing and saying the fentanyl came from the previous administration. Who cares where it came from? The fact is it's here, end quote. Well, uh, Representative Ralph Norman, you're a liar. Uh, President Biden didn't laugh at the mother who lost her sons to fentanyl. And the, the mother that they're talking about was uh, an, as a woman by the name of Rebecca Kessling, K-I-E-S-S-L-I-N-G. And what Biden actually said was, quote, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, end quote. 
And he said it in a respectful, very, um, I guess you could call it a somber tone. And what he was laughing about was the fact that Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene blamed the Biden administration for the young men's deaths. And their deaths occurred in mid-2020, which was during the Trump administration. It was before the 2020 elections. And, you know, sometimes I laugh when I'm making podcasts. Sometimes I laugh when I'm talking to people about things that are uncomfortable or unpleasant or ridiculous or sad. And I do that because it is so ridiculous that anybody would believe that somebody would say this, or it's so ridiculous that this is happening. And I can certainly see that because I almost, anytime I see a video online, if I'm watching television and there's a news clip about something Marjorie Taylor Greene said or did, I almost without even thinking about it, start shaking my head because I just know it's going to be something stupid and it's probably going to be a lie. And sometimes I laugh because it is just so ridiculous. And I don't know what it's going to take for people to start um, calling out these liars. And I think they need to call them liars. They need to stop saying, oh, well, it's misinformation or that's not really true. No, it's a lie, and they're lying to the American people, and that ought to be wrong. Now, this the mother who lost the two sons has demanded an apology from Biden, and I should point out that politically, they're not always in agreement because she is an anti-abortion activist. And... So, you know, I feel sorry for her. Uh, It's unfortunate. It's sad. But I think that uh, Ms. Kissling's anger probably needs to be directed at the members of Congress who actually can write legislation to fix the problem with fentanyl and the drugs and the immigration and all of that. Because the Republicans want to tie immigration and the fentanyl problem all together. That's the case. They're the ones that need to sit down and write the bill that will fix the problem. So that is where the anger needs to be directed. Naturally, the attacks on President Biden from CPAC speakers are going to be profuse because they don't want to talk about anything that could make them look bad. So they have to deflect. And one of my favorite people in the House of Representatives, of course, is Representative Jim Jordan, the Republican from Ohio. And he said, quote, the President of the United States stood in front of Independence Hall called half the country fascists, end quote. So, (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. So again, let's take things completely out of context and twist them around to make them sound far, far, far worse than they actually were. The truth is that Biden did not say any such thing at all. What he said was that MAGA Republicans, like Trump, are extreme and that they do not respect the Constitution and that they do not believe in the rule of law. But he emphasized that, quote, not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans, end quote. So he made it very clear that he was talking to a very specific group of people. And when you consider the fact that registered Republicans are about 29% of all of the registered voters in the United States, and of that 29%, probably, what, 30% of them, maybe 40% of them are Trumpers or MAGAs, ultra MAGAs, whatever the heck they want to be called. So <laughs> that's not half, okay? It's not even close to half. If you took every single registered Republican in the country and 100% of them were MAGA Republicans, it still wouldn't be half of the country. So Trump got less than 75 million votes in 2020, and we have 258 million adults in this country. So that is just a total, complete BS comment. And Jim Jordan is one of the worst offenders in Congress when it comes to this kind of stuff. Absolutely ridiculous. So there you go. It's again, they have to deflect because they don't have uh, they don't have anything that they can sell to people. They don't have anything that they can stand up and say, this is what we've done for you, America. They don't have anything, nothing, absolutely nothing. And of course, one of the big things is the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago and the media, of course. Media is always bad. So again, uh, Representative Ralph Norman made the comment that the uh, FBI, well, he didn't, he kind of beat around the bush. He, he kind of insinuated that the FBI had tipped off the media that it was going to be searching Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and resort in Palm Beach, Florida, in April, or in August, I'm sorry, for government documents that president, the former president had in his private residence. And that, at the same time, it knew that there was the same thing going on with President Biden, and they concealed that, didn't say a word about that. What uh, Representative Ralph Norman actually said was, quote, when I saw the raid at Mar-a-Lago, you know, the cameras, the FBI, and compare that to when they found Biden's, all of the documents he had, where was the media? Where was the FBI? 
They kept it quiet early on, didn't let it out. The job of the next president is going to be getting rid of the insiders that are undermining this government, and you've got a clean house, end quote. Okay. Well, again, to try to compare the Trump situation with the Biden situation is a load of bullpucky, as Rachel Maddow would say. Number one, Trump took the stuff, and even if he didn't realize that he had it, or even if he didn't know he wasn't supposed to have it, he was contacted by the National Archives. And they advised him that they were looking for some things. And he was not cooperative with them. They contacted him multiple times over a period of months trying to get this stuff back. If he had just said, oops, my bad, uh, yes, I do have this stuff and I've got it secured. Send somebody, you know, to pick it up. It probably wouldn't have been a big deal, but he concealed it and he lied about it. And then he, when they finally did come to get the stuff, he didn't give them everything. He even had attorneys sign statements saying, yes, you have everything. And they, it was a lie. And so the National Archives looked at everything and they're like, there's still stuff missing. And he, again, he was not cooperative with them. And so finally the FBI did go out and do a search, which was due to a search warrant, which is a legal process. And a judge signed off on it. Okay, a federal judge signed off on a search warrant. It was not a raid. It was a search warrant, and it was a legal process. So, anyway, the the deal with this with the FBI at Mar-a-Lago was that cameras were sent to Mar-a-Lago because a man by the name of Peter Schorsch, S-C-H-O-R-S-C-H, who is the publisher of a website titled Florida Politics, learned of the search from sources that were not part of the FBI, and he tweeted about it. This was either as it was concluding or right after it was over. And then Trump himself made a public statement less than 20 minutes later confirming that a search had indeed occurred at Mar-a-Lago. And this Schorsch, Schorsch, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce that, Schorsch guy, did tell CNN that Um, He could unequivocally state that the FBI was not one of the two sources which alerted him to the raid. And again, it was not a raid. And uh, at the time, Brian Stelter worked for CNN. He was the chief media correspondent. And uh, he said that, uh, he commented that by the time that the local TV news camera showed up outside Mar-a-Lago, that there really wasn't much to see. 
and that a lot of the websites and media used file photos of the resort because there was nothing <laughs> nothing to show. And they did have like helicopters or drones or something flying overhead, but there really wasn't much going on. And so, I don't know. You know, we did see some video of what appeared to be FBI agents at Mar-a-Lago, but it wasn't really clear at what point that occurred, in my opinion. And, of course, the difference is Biden, when his people realized that there were things that he shouldn't have had, this was at the Biden Penn Center that that, that was being closed down, his office uh, in Washington, D.C., that was being closed down, that was the office that he used uh, after he left the vice presidency. They actually notified the proper authorities when they realized that these documents were classified and they were in an in a location where they were not supposed to be. the The National Archives didn't have to come after Biden looking for them. His people reported it. They went through the proper channels to report that we've got some stuff here that we don't we're not supposed to have. And then Biden actually asked them to check other places for documents. He wasn't trying to conceal anything. He wasn't trying to be uncooperative like Trump was. He was doing what he was supposed to do. He was assisting the, 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 the authorized people that would handle this. He was assisting the, the recovery of all of these documents so that they could be put where they're supposed to go. And I will point out that the Biden's legal team actually asked for his, I think he, there were two different houses. Uh, he had a vacation house and then another house um, up in Delaware that were searched. And they asked him to actually check his beach home. And uh, there were media cameras there at the time when they searched his beach house. So, and I think they actually had a media pool when they did the search of his beach house, which was the last search, I believe. I think they searched his house in Delaware first, and then they searched the beach house second, secondly, secondly, after the initial search, they did another one. So, you know, come on. It's just, again, it's distraction you know, don't don't look at this little shiny ball over here where it looks like we're doing something we shouldn't be doing and we probably are but look at this over here do you not see all of the look how suspicious this looks it's just deflection and the republicans are great at at doing that they truly truly are great at doing that um another little <laughs> Another lie <laughs> was uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville, the big time racist. Um, he's a former college and high school football coach. And he said to CPAC in his speech, quote, going into thousands of kids' homes 
and talking to parents every year recruiting half the kids in this country. I'm not talking about race. I'm just talking about half the kids in this country have one or no parent. And it's because of the attack on faith. People are losing faith because for some reason, because the attack on God, end quote. So anyway, that's a lot. Excuse me, that's a lie. <clears throat> According to the Census Bureau, in 2021, approximately 70% of U.S. children under the age of 18 lived with two parents, and about 65% lived with two married parents. 22% of children live with only a mother, about 5% with only a father, and about 3% with no parent. And the Census Bureau has said that uh, children who are listed as living with only one parent may have a second parent, but they are listed as living with only one parent because perhaps the parents um, are divorced and they have one of the parents has you know custody and the other uh, parent has visitation or they share custody and it just you know you can't claim the same kid on census stuff for both parents because the parents don't live together so one of the parents claims the kids live with them or sometimes it's because there's a, there's a, someone in the military who's deployed overseas and in that case they're counted differently so you know again it's it's <laughs> half truths and if 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 you there is such a thing as lying by omission, and if you're not telling the whole story, you're basically lying because the impression people have when they finish listening to your speech is, oh, wow, that's awful. And it's actually not true. Now, the um, trend of kids in the United States living with two parents has been declining for a long, long time. But uh, Tuberville's statement is not accurate at all. And, <laughs> you know, I will tell you this, in my opinion, and I was raised in a Christian home, but the actually the worst attack on God comes from people who profess to be Christians themselves, but they don't act like Christians. And the perfect example here is Tuberville. When you look at the things he said and done, he's got a history of racism. And I keep seeing Republicans trying to do things that are not Christian in nature. First of all, lying and intentionally misrepresenting things, you know, is not Christian because I think there's uh, Ten Commandments. You're not supposed to bear false witness or whatever the way that it's worded is. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, 
we have all of these evangelicals who have these these huge mega churches that are worth multi millions of dollars and they cost millions of dollars to run, and these preachers live in million multi million dollar homes and drive expensive cars and wear five thousand dollar suits and none of that is in the Bible. As a matter of fact, being wealthy in the Bible is condemned pretty much. It's a bad thing. So why are they making exceptions for themselves? They want people to believe that because they are doing so well, it shows that uh, they're favored somehow by God, I guess. And I think they would be better off if they preached in somebody's garage or in a field or in a, in a school gymnasium and paid the school a rental fee or use a school auditorium or something like that and, instead of uh, paying for a building. And I think that that's why uh, Christianity and religion is not as popular. I know a lot of people, the trend seems to be people are turning away from it. And I don't think it's because the people that are leaving are sinners or anything else, but uh, you know, the Bible says something about if you're going to talk with God, do it in private. You don't need to do it out in public and make a big, you know, big presentation or a big scene about it. That just doing it in private, just one on one, is really the way to do it. So maybe that's what more people are doing. Maybe they've decided that these big uh, performances where everything has to be videotaped and, and choreographed like a Broadway show is a little bit over the top. Maybe they just need to get back to, you know, whatever Jesus did. You know, you have a little group of people in a field and they all just kind of sit there with the animals and he talks to them. No biggie. Um, Literacy of high school graduates was another little thing that, uh, um, you know, this is again, this is Tuberville still. And uh, he's said he thinks that that today's children are being uh, indoctrinated in the schools by this woke ideology and critical race theory. And his comment was, quote, we don't teach reading, writing, and arithmetic anymore. You know, half the kids in this country when they graduate, think about this, half the kids in this country when they graduate can't read their diploma, end quote. Okay, well, there are a lot of people who struggle with reading. But <laughs> a diploma, yeah, I, I think probably most people graduating high school can read their own diploma. Um, in most cases, people that can't read don't ever finish high school because if you can't read, it's really hard to learn and study, right? So anyway, number one, critical race theory is not something that is taught in school. It has never been taught in school to my knowledge. It is a legal theory, okay? It is a legal theory that is taught to people who are in the process of studying for the bar. There's, they want to become attorneys. It is a legal theory, okay? It is not something taught in schools. And 
even if it were taught in schools, the bottom line is the American people, the white people, have been horrible in the past to African Americans, Native Americans, Asians, you name it. If they don't have white skin, they have been treated poorly at some point or another by white American Christians. And maybe that's another reason why people are leaving religion is because religion needs to be speaking out on this and saying that it's wrong. And we have churches that are endorsing these Republicans and they're doing hateful things like trying to take health care away from people. Is that what Jesus did? Was he trying to prevent people from getting health care if they were sick? Uh, no, he was actually trying to help the poor and the people who were sick. That were, If I had to point out two things that were critically important to Jesus, according to the Bible, it was taking care of the poor and taking care of the ill. And the Republicans aren't doing that at all. They're trying to take away their health care. They don't want them to have assistance for food. They don't want them to have assistance for shelter. They don't care if their kids have health, uh, have food when they go to bed at night. They don't care if they get a good education. Look at their voting record, folks. That is not Christian. I'm sorry. There's no such thing as a Christian Republican. If you're a true Christian, you've left the Republican Party now. Period. Because the Republicans are not Christians. It's ridiculous. So, okay, that'll probably get some people stirred up, but it's, I'm sorry, it's just the truth, and it's pathetic. So, anyway, um, the, uh, um, the number of American teenagers and adults that have uh, issues with reading, there's no connection between woke indoctrin indoctrination and their issues with literacy. The, uh, there's an organization, according to CNN, called Pro-Literacy, and they uh, mentioned 2017 data that found 23% of Americans aged 16 to 65 have low literacy skills in English. Now, that's not half. And it includes people who didn't graduate from high school and people who are able to read basic text but struggle with more complex literacy tasks. So it, it's just not true. It's not true. Um, I've talked about being woke, and they, the Republicans, the conservatives, want people to think that's a bad thing. I think people need to be woke. I think if more Americans were woke, we wouldn't have people like Tuberville lying repeatedly to audiences because they would have booed him out of there, said, no, you're a liar. So anyway, apparently um, a spokesperson representing Tuberville um, let CNN know that the senator was speaking informally after having been briefed on other statistics about American struggles with reading. So whatever, there's always an excuse with these folks, right? 
yeah, there's always an excuse. So, um, and then of course they talked about uh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, Representative Kat Kamek told a, an account of the first hearing of the new Republican-led House Select Subcommittee on the supposed weaponization of the federal government. And she said that uh, she'd asked a witness who was a Democrat at, the, at a hearing in February about his incredibly vitriolic Twitter feed in which he um, not only repeatedly criticized Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, but even went so far as to encourage people to, hus- to harass the Supreme Court Justice. Okay, well, um, the, um, the person that she was talking about was a former Obama administration deputy assistant attorney general by the name of Elliot Williams. And the fact is that he never encouraged people to go out and harass Justice Kavanaugh. And apparently, according to the the recorded or the televised hearing that she was referring to back in February, she didn't even accuse him at that hearing of 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 encouraging people to harass Justice Kavanaugh. She claimed at that hearing that he had tweeted numerous critical tweets about Kavanaugh and that he had since been unusually quiet on Twitter after an alleged assassination attempt against the justice. So apparently Representative Kamek thing is, th- is trying to put together the fact that the fact that he wasn't tweeting anymore about it was his way of encouraging people to harass Justice Kavanaugh. <laughs> that's a stretch. That's a real, that's a stretch. That's a Stephen King novel stretch of imagination there. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just BS, folks. It's just BS. It's BS. And, uh, apparently one of Kamet's spokespersons, um, responded um, on Thursday to CNN's inquiries about the story that she's mentioned at CPAC. And um, when CNN asked if she was accurately describing this exchange with Williams and if they had any evidence of Williams actually having encouraged the harassment of Justice Kavanaugh, they kind of all of a sudden got busy and didn't have time to continue to answer any questions. So there you go. It's just a, it's just, you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. And of course they, you know, they, they picked on on President Biden about uh, the uh, deportation pause that was uh, going back to you know Jim Jordan again, 
And uh, Jim Jordan said that Biden on day one made three key changes to immigration policy. And he said that one of the changes was, quote, we're not going to deport anyone who come. End quote. That's what he said. We're not going to deport anyone who come. Okay. Speaking of illiteracy. I shouldn't talk. I know I make mistakes all the time doing these podcasts. So, yeah, we're not going to get deported. So that was a great reason that they decided to migrate to the United States under under uh, Biden. Well, again, the borders are not open. And there was a 100-day deportation pause that Biden wanted to put in place right after he took office uh, back in January of 2021. And the policy didn't actually say that the United States wouldn't deport anyone who comes. And it, 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 it did not apply to anyone who arrived in the country after the end of October 2020, which meant people who came under the Biden administration or in the last months of the Trump administration could still be deported. He, it, it's a, it's a bandaid, okay? It's a bandaid, and people like Jordan, who are in Congress, are supposed to be legislating, and so maybe instead of spending all of their time legislating hatred, and legislating discrimination, and passing laws that take away people's rights, maybe they can fix some of the problems that they're complaining about all the time. Hello, hey. Why don't you guys try something different for a change? Because you're sounding like a broken record right now. And, of course, you know, um, one of the things that they have to be careful about is Fox News and the coverage of the 2020 election. And former Trump White House chief strategist Steve Bannon, who has been convicted of crimes and should be in prison right now, but is out so he can appeal, and he's taking his time appealing. Uh, Bannon spoke at the CPAC, and he criticized the Fox News channel because they were not as supportive of Trump's 2024 presidential campaign as he felt they should be. Oh, wow. What a shame. They certainly spent a lot of time lying for Trump during the 2020 campaign, obviously. So one of the things that uh, Biden claimed was that on the night of the election in November of 2020, quote, Fox News illegitimately called for, called it for the opposition and not Donald J. Trump, of which our nation has never recovered, end quote. And uh, about the current situation where Trump is running for the presidency again in 2024, uh, Steve Bannon said, quote, having it stolen in broad daylight of which they Fox participate in, end quote. So he's blaming Fox for Trump losing. <laughs> 
again, <laughs> we're over two years into this and there's no evidence whatsoever that there was anything rigged about the 2020 election. It's been audited to death. The cyber ninjas spent all that time and millions of dollars re-auditing the Arizona election and they couldn't find anything. You know, people, leave the damn horse alone. It's been beat to death. You have pulverized it. Good grief. If they have any evidence, they haven't shown it. Why would you not have shown it at this point? So anyway, the, the facts of the matter here is, is back on election night in 2020, Fox made a projection and it appeared to be accurate that Biden had won the state of Arizona. And making a projection, the news media making a projection doesn't change the outcome of the election. I, I do feel that the media should hold back more than it does. I, I feel that the media needs to refrain from announcing uh, which states people have won when you still have people on the West Coast standing in line at polling places. I think that is massively unfair. And I think that they should not be providing any information at all on elections until every voter in every polling place all across the country has voted and every polling place is closed. And once everything is closed, then you can start reporting this stuff. I think it is massively unfair that they start calling elections and states for people ahead of time. I, I think that everybody needs to just wait and let everybody have a chance to vote and not have their vote influenced by the damned media. So, <clears throat> excuse me, but that's just my, that's my, my take on it. But there's, there's no evidence that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump. None. And other major uh, media outlets did project that Biden had won. Uh, if you'll remember, there, was, there were days where there were still a few states where we were kind of waiting on official tallies to be finished. Fox did hold off um, on announcing that uh, Biden had won the presidency. I think they waited four days. Other media outlets went ahead and kind of said, yeah, it looks like it, it was Biden. But keep in mind, we know for a fact that Fox News personalities uh, have went on the air and they continued to promote lies that the election had been stolen for Trump and they privately talk to one another in text messages and emails and whatnot, uh, saying how ridiculous all of this was. <laughs> so, you know, if anything, Fox bent over backwards to accommodate Donald Trump, I think. But yeah, the fact that Fox was the right-wing news authority and that they announced that Arizona had gone to Biden 
that that upset Trump. Trump doesn't like losing, and so that's the reason why they're making this this big attack. So that is just kind of a recap of everything that I can talk about during uh, regarding the CPAC this year. And it's mostly just more regurgitation of lies from right-wing people. I will tell you that um, I haven't really watched any of the videos today of the, the CPAC uh, on Saturday. But I will say that I did see portions of videos where Donald Trump Jr. was speaking. Somebody posted a, a picture of the great turnout for Donald Trump. And, and the seats, it was half empty. Half empty. Um, I saw Guillotine, Kim Guillotine, Guilfoyle, whatever the heck her name is. The current... Um, I think she's the fiance of Junior, and she was speechifying as well. And the cameras kind of panned the audience, and it was half empty. So I don't know if it was just a a lull. Um, I would definitely think that Don Junior and Kimberly would would not be on high on the list of of people to <laughs> watch speak. <laughs> at CPAC. So maybe everybody was going to the potty or going out to get uh, a beverage or something while they were giving their speech speeches. But uh, I don't know. Um, it seems to me that uh, CPAC is not as well attended this year as it has been in the past. So, and you've probably heard more about CPAC than you want to at this point. So I am going to bid you for well for the day. And I'm not sure if I'm going to do another episode for Sunday. Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, but if not, I should have something on Monday or Tuesday. Hope you have a great weekend. I really do. Unless you have other plans, but I do appreciate your time. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Subscribe. You will get notices first. I, I, I'm usually a couple of days behind in posting these things on Twitter. And I do that because some of the uh, podcast platforms that uh, distribute podcasts, some of them take longer to pick my podcast up than others. There's a few of them that, that have it within a matter of minutes. Others take sometimes as long as 24 hours. Uh, the, actually, the one I use sometimes takes 24 hours for it to show up on my phone. And I've subscribed to it. So I kind of use that as a basis because I think that, that the one I use is one of the last ones to pick stuff up sometimes. So I use that as a basis. And, and so it could be a day or two uh, before I actually get it posted on, on Twitter. So if you subscribe, you will get it as soon as, as your, uh, as soon as the app that you use picks it up. And I do appreciate you, um, sharing it and subscribing to it and, and telling your friends about it. And, uh, I'm working on some other things still. Uh, there's just a lot of time involved in researching a lot of this stuff. So again, Thank you for listening, and I will be 
back with another episode soon. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at FederalAndy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Thank you.